The Radio Stingray Podcast is brought to you by our gold sponsor, McNally Jones Staff Lawyers. Proudly supporting the MUA Sydney branch since 1977. Need assistance with employment, industrial or workers' compensation, or any other legal problem? Phone 9233 4744 or visit mcnally.com.au and get a real fighting lawyer on your side. tuned in to Radio Stingray. Well, comrades and friends, lovers and haters and the millions of listeners, not only in Australia but right around the world, welcome to the October edition of Radio Stingray, brought to you from Silky Studios in sunny Waterloo on the Gadigal lands of the Eora Nation. Comrades, we have another massive show for you, many, many reports, including from National Council, Industrial Rounds, our First Nations Workers Alliance, Michelle O'Neill from the TCFUA speaks on the merger, and some big news from one of our officials. Joe, you've just done a ship inspection up in China, which we'll report later, comrade, but what else happened on your China trip? Yeah, Macca, it was pretty good up there. We, I went to Shanghai for the uh, ship inspection, but also met with the Shandong province comrades. Our, uh, our equivalents up there in Shandong, and we had plenty of good discussion around sister port relationship stuff. Very exciting stuff, Macca. Thanks for that, Joe. And Paul Garrett, you uh, had our comrades out from Indonesia. Yeah, Macker, it was uh, very interesting the other day taking out the comrades who work for Hutchison up there in Jakarta. Uh, those workers who do it tough, they're going for a collective bargaining agreement, as they call it. And we're in Sydney for the National Council, wanted to come out to the wharves, and we even had the bosses out there reject them coming in. So all the workers come off the job, come into the car park and had a meeting with our fraternal comrades from Indonesia. Pretty big and a lot to report that uh, later on. Keto, we've got the 100th anniversary of the Russian Revolution, but there's also a more recent re- revolution in Venezuela, and we had a function during the month. Yeah, you did right there, Mecca. It was a uh, function held by the branch. Um, it seems to be that we have uh, a function almost every month coming out from the community, and this uh, wonderful international sor- solidarity, the Venezuelan solidarity function, um, and we'll talk about that a bit later, but I, I will say that um, it was a wonderful event and we also had the honour of having the Venezuelan ambassador, Daniel Gaspari Ray, there also. All right, well, there were just a few of the events that we had during the month and right up after the break is going to be our industrial rounds. At Unity Bank, we are 100% committed to maritime workers. We pride ourselves on delivering better all-round value to our members and their families. Unity Bank, proud supporter of the Maritime Union of Australia, and sponsor of this podcast. Well, if there's one thing you love as an official that's doing enterprise agreements, there's been dozens of them again during the month. Uh, Paul, you uh, can you update the members on NMS and Sydney Ferries for us? Yeah, mate. There are two uh, EBAs. They're not quite ready to go yet, but the NMS kernel is basically going to have to be a mid-term enterprise agreement. Uh, we need to have a serious look at it, basically, because the work, there's been a serious uh, downturn over there at Caltex at Kernel, so... The company's in discussions with the union. They're looking to cut numbers, as they always are, and we're dealing with it. Down at the ferries, which I reported last month, a great outcome through the delegates and the branch there, basically changing a number of casual workers over to what they call intermediate GPHs, and 
whilst it's not the UEA negotiations, Macca, what we've basically done is set the path for negotiations now to say that we've had enough of casualisation. We want everyone permanent there. And with the work that's been done in the last month, I think we're setting ourselves up for the next four years. Well done. And Joe, it's been a massive month down at the Port Authority of New South Wales um, and you've had a number of shipping EAs as well. Comrade, can you update the members about that, please? I certainly will, Macca. Inco, Inco are in the final stages of the drafting and really it should be done and dusted within days. The vote will go out very shortly and uh, the members, of they're of the view that they're happy with it and they're going to vote it up. CSL EBAs, we had a stalemate with this mob. They're just, uh, they're just so recalcitrant. They're no good, and uh, but that's ongoing, and that'll be reported in the future. The vessel Sycamore, manned up by TK, that's ongoing as well. Warren Smith and I are dealing with other uh, branch officials around the outcome for the workers on board that vessel. The Port Authority, well, this is massive. You know, in all my years in the industry, in all my years in the union, I've never seen a port authority to be as aggressive as what these people are in Sydney. From the harbour master to the CEO, they're just absolutely attacking the workers left, right and centre. The workers have had three ballots. They've had three lots of 24-hour action. And in the three of them, the port authority have sought section 418 orders even though they've legitimately taken 24-hour strike action, they've turned around and said, no, nah, we're not copping it. We're not copping the umpire decision. So much for the Fair Work Act, maybe the Unfair Work Act. But we're getting there, Macca. We're getting there. And like they say, the struggle continues. Well, there's a number of very important uh, issues that you've raised there. And certainly the Port Authority's recalcitrance is, is a highlight. What I've what I'm mostly concerned about there is not too long ago, it was in the public's hands. The Port Authority was a service that was managed by the government to ensure that all industry stakeholders were managed and looked after equally. And now we have a privatised version of the same model and all we've seen is chaos. Chaos by the rotten anti-union CEO and chaos by the anti-union harbour master. And their only interest, it seems, is to flesh out their um, their autobiographies about the how they took on the union and how they destroyed a port at the same time. But the membership down there have shown incredible courage and uh, I'm looking forward to um, to the end of those biographies being a substantial loss uh, for both those individuals. Um, Keto, you've got a couple of EBAs to report on yourself, comrade. What are those? Yeah, Maka, uh, this week we sit down again with uh, Cube... Uh, negotiating the truck drivers EA down at Patrick's Port Botany Rail Operations. You know, this uh, fundamentally is about wage theft. Got to call it for what it is. Uh, the work itself has been contracted out from Cube, who is the parent company at Patrick's Terminals, you know, with all this corporate restructure going on. And those workers, those truck drivers and the rail operations down there are wharfies. They're contained under uh, the conditions of employment for every other wharfie that does that work anywhere in the country. So why haven't they got that, that same, uh, those rights and conditions? It's uh, basically the bullshit of the um, uh, big end of town dictating the political system and the industrial relations system to serve their interest and their interest only, robbing workers of their um, wages. 
The other one's Calmar. Maintenance workers down at Patrick's. Again, contracted out work. Um, our guys, well organised, prepared to have a go. And what's it about? That EA is about the scope of work. They're very right to work. Now, again, as I said, we uh, meet with the company again this week. Uh, these workers committed to fighting for justice, to deliver for them and their families, their industry, what has always been rightfully theirs, and not allowing companies like Patrick's or any of the big end of town thinking that through the sham contracting systems that through you know, some corporate decision made by some board saying, well, you know what? We're just going to contract this uh, work out and rob workers of what their rightful um, wages and conditions are. So we're not going to cop it. Uh, I'll keep you updated as each month goes by. Thanks for those EA updates, comrades. And just to finalise those, Cube Logistics, it's been a relatively slow month. However, there's been a lot of work done to uh, finalise the uh, MUA's proposal for a new enterprise agreement. And uh, also at DP World Logistics, we've received some good news, and that is that the company is going to commence negotiations with the MUA. And at the moment, we're uh, working with the workforce who have elected delegates and a negotiating team, and that will be reported on during our campaigns. Thanks for that, comrades. We'll go into campaigns next. Speak to you soon. This segment is brought to you by RT Health, your industry mutual not-for-profit health fund that has been looking after members like you since 1889. Call us on 1300 564646 to find out how you can join the crew and benefit from the exclusive MUA health plan. Well, comrades, we've had another jam-packed month of events and campaigns, um, and that's testament to all of the text messages and emails you get about um, upcoming events that we attend on behalf of the MUA. Uh, at the start of the month, I attended on behalf of the MUA a Greens event, um, which was called Protest, Parliament and the Future of the Greens. And basically, the MUA had to have their say about what we believe is uh, in the best interest of the working class in, in relation to the Greens political party. Lee Rhiannon and Jim Casey also spoke. And what we basically um, spoke about was the importance of the Greens being a, uh, a party of protest, that the working class needs an activist working class party out there and the Greens' future um, is best laid in continuing that fine tradition uh, of working class activism, not only about the environment, but also workers' rights. It was wonderfully attended and uh, it was a great opportunity to speak to a number of our comrades. Also, the day before, Lee Rhiannon's mum, Frida Brown, the tremendous revolutionary internationalist woman who every Australian should know. And this was a woman who was on the world stage basically before any male dominated it, uh, at the United Nations leading uh, worldwide campaigns for um, women's rights, essentially. Um, in developing countries, she struck up wonderful relationships with not only the, the West, um, but also uh, the Revolutionary East as well. And um, there was a book launched uh, in her honour, and I also got to MC that event and learn a lot more about Frida Brown than I did know. She has a one. She had a wonderful relationship with the Waterside Workers Federation in particular, uh, and one of her brothers was a um, a life member uh, of the um, Waterside Workers Federation. We also had National Council in um, in the the last week of October, uh, where we discussed a hell of a lot of issues wide-ranging campaigns, spoke about what we're going to be doing over the next 12 months, 
obviously the adherence to the national conference resolutions, our campaigns in relation to shipping, uh, stevedoring, and uh, for port workers. It's a hell of a um, long report that will be given in much more detail at our monthly meeting on Tuesday, the last Tuesday of the month for all those uh, who are going to attend. There will be reports that come out, but essentially it's basically that we're under attack everywhere. Each and every report gave a uh, report about the nature of the assault against them, the attacks of each of the companies in their workplaces and figuring out what responses we have to undertake in order to not only push back that attack, uh, but to stop it completely. So that was uh, wonderful to hear uh, a number of the, the different campaigns comrades are, are waging around the country. And we also got to hear a number of really good reports that you, you don't ordinarily get a chance to hear. Uh, Ian Lavery, he's the um, campaign director in the recent British Labor Party transformation with Jeremy Corbyn's leadership. And it was a really good outline of what a party can do in crisis. And the Labor Party was fundamentally in crisis. Uh, it, it lost the election uh, and it was in a, a real period uh, of crisis whereby they could have either sunk to new lows by continuing the neoliberal tradition uh, that was really started by Tony Blair and, and his warmongering ways. Uh, or they could um, radicalise the party, democratise the party and actually listen to their rank and file. And uh, hearing Ian's contribution was a real shot in the arm for me and, you know, it gave uh, me an indication that there are working class people and there are trade union officials who want to see a transformation in social democracy and do something fundamentally transformational. And Ian's uh, report was a long report uh, but it gave me some confidence that not only British Labor can transform, but hopefully Labor in this country can take some of their advice and actually declare that socialism is the only economic narrative that is in the interest of the working class. Now, if you want to go out and sell a message that capitalism is good, um, that more capitalism is better, then join the Liberal Party because they've got all of the runs on the board as to how capitalism can work for the worker and no worker in their right mind anywhere in podcast land could suggest for one second um, that capitalism is working for them, that exploitation is not only good for them and their families but for the world at large. And it's high time that we heard Labor leaders coming out and demanding um, that capitalism must come to an end, that capitalism is a failure, like the New Zealand Prime Minister just informed us all of, um, and actually declare that socialism is the only way in which workers uh, can attract a half-decent future. So National Council was wonderful again, and um, there were some wonderful reports, comrades, that you'll get to listen to at your monthly meetings. Joe, um, you've been up to Oakey Creek, comrade, and Shandong. Can you up uh, inform the members about uh, how you went up there? Yes, I will, Mac. I'm very, very excited to say that I expected a ship called the Integrity. It is a tanker, a crude oil tanker. I inspected it in Shangxi Shipyard, uh, just out of Shanghai. She's an old doer, uh, needs a few run and repairs. But the main thing for us, it is the first tanker we've had on the coast since we lost, I think it was the Fidelity was the last one a couple of years ago. So it's exciting to think that the union's fighting back. For, and for those out there that think that we're not, well, you're sadly mistaken because we get, we've got a tanker on the way down here. 
There's a possibility of a couple more, and that's really exciting for us. While I was up there, I had the opportunity to speak to our comrades from Shandong Province. They're from the uh, Federation of Trade Unions. They're a peak body. They're a massive body. They've got 37 million members, would you believe, in just the one province. So they, these comrades had a good discussion with myself on the basis of setting up sister port relationships. We're very excited about it. They were enthusiastic about getting to know more about the MUA. They want delegations to come to their province to, tell, to talk to their workers about affiliating with us. And to me, that is the epitome of what international solidarity is all about. In relation to the Oakey Creek North Miners, I went up there with Kerry Farrell and Mark Clifton, both unemployed seafarers. Last week on the uh, 23rd, we went up, I beg your pardon, uh, two weeks ago, we went up there and we had discussion with these comrades. They've been locked out for three months, three and a half months actually. And it's, you know, we thought we were going to go up there to a bit of doom and gloom, but I'll tell you what, it was the opposite. They've got their tails up. They've said to this multinational, this horrible multinational Glencore, we're going to take you on. You're not going to scare us off. You locked us out, but we're not going anywhere. And they're staring them down. Those same comrades, four of them, are down in Sydney right now. They flew in last night on the 29th. They'll be at the terminal today. They're going to talk to the workers at the terminal. They're going to explain to the workers, the wharfies, what position they're in. They really appreciate the solidarity of the brands. They love us. They're going to address the stoppy in the morning and tell their story to the stoppy. And I can tell you, they've got their tails up, they're not backing off, and they appreciate our, our support, Macca. Thanks for that, Joe. And isn't it uh, tremendously inspiring to meet these comrades who have been locked out for 110 days? 110 days they've been locked out. Now, I know when we're in a dispute with the boss and we go out for one minute, we're in the commission, there's a national emergency, there's a crisis, all of the newspapers are rung up, you've got the Fair Work Ombudsman in the in the court with you, you've got the um, Fair Work Commissioner up there pointing his finger or her finger and looking down upon you as um, some villain, yet they've locked them out for 110 days. Locked the, if our industrial relations system isn't in crisis, when you've got examples where workers have been locked out for over 100 days, then I'm not here. Uh, but to meet these wonderful, wonderful comrades, these courageous comrades who are standing up uh, in the face of this multinational attack and, I've got to say, a Liberal and National Party attack against them as well, uh, it's just wonderful. And they asked, how did we get through the 136 days that we were on the roundabout down there at Hutchison? And I said, one day longer. All you've got to do is last one day longer than them. And with the support that they're getting from the, the trade union movement, uh, I, I can guarantee that they'll last one day longer than their rotten boss. Uh, Keto, uh, you've got a couple of campaigns you want to tell the membership, comrade. What are they? Yes, comrades. Um, the branch has been hard at work since you uh, started organising the workers down at DP World Logistics. And as you know, comrade... Uh, that's been uh, quite a fight. But those workers are getting organised and um, uh, Paul Garrett and myself have been down on the job assisting you in regards to your side negotiating the uh, enterprise agreement and from our side we've been getting these workers organised. They've elected their shift delegates 
their uh, bargaining delegates, and now we're in the uh, throes of um, organising the safety delegates, the health and safety reps. So it's going really well. I mean, when you look at it only a few weeks ago, there was a handful of workers start, started to get organised, and uh, more than 80% are um, in the union and growing every day. Um, it's a, it's a, um, a, a real good um, story there, and uh, we'll uh, fight until we win there. And with the solidarity of the DP World Warfies and the committee there, uh, showing great solidarity, I've got to tell you, we'll win. The other one is the November 16th uh, rally here in the state, organised by the CFMEU and ourselves um, and the whole labour movement, Unions New South Wales, all the unions uh, are on board. I mean, we're fighting a corrupt system. When we look at it now, 1% of the richest in this country own more than 70% of the wealth, and that's accelerating. Political power is corrupt, and so is uh, the big end of town. And what this is about, you would have seen all the uh, leaflets going out to the jobs, comrades. We've sent it out to everyone. We'll be down on the jobs. Stop the war on workers is what it says. Stop the war, war on workers. What we want to see is we're demanding the abolition of the Fair Work Act. It doesn't serve the interests of workers. We can't defend our right to work. And with the prohibitions and fines that workers are forced to, to be subjected to in unions, uh, it's little wonder that the union movement's under attack. Um, we want to abolish the ABCC. You know, that's back on the scene because of the Turnbull government, the Australian Building Construction Commission. If there's an attack on one worker or one union, it's an attack on all of us, comrades. We fight until we win. We must abolish this. And we demand of all the political parties to get on side with the working class, with the CFMEU and with the union movement on this. And to be honest, you know, we want to see uh, the uh, abolishment of the 457 visas. Let's not, let's not mince words. You know what that is? That's about the exploitation of the working class. If this country needs more workers, those workers should be allowed to emigrate here as every other worker has for generations with the same rights as the rest of us. Um, this is a fight, a fight that we're not going to give up and it doesn't matter what political cycle uh, we're in, we're going to continue until we win. The Fair Work Act attacks our very right to organise and defend our right to work. And uh, November the 16th, comrades, it will be at 11.30 down at Belmore Park near Central Station. We're going to fill the city. Bring your families out. Bring your friends out. We need to show the political establishment and the big end of town, the boss's class, we mean business. Well done, comrade. I'm going to go now, and I hope all of our members do, because it is tremendously important that we not just campaign in our workplaces, but in our communities as well. November 16th is a fantastic opportunity for everyone out there to get involved, and the, the wharfies are walking off. Isn't that a great thing? Tremendous. And for the ombudsman, the sick, voyeuristic filth that you are, you can uh, listen to this. It's agreed. The employer has agreed um, to us... Um, going out and demonstrating uh, our democratic right 
to attend political protest in this country, which November 16th is all about. It is about workers getting out onto the streets where we belong and demanding justice because it ain't going to come from the Today Show and it ain't going to come from the Telegraph and it ain't going to come from any politician. Um, the workers uh, will determine our future and us alone. And uh, There's a couple of other things I wanted to report on quickly. Streets ice cream boycott. I mean, if there's anything you like better in summer um, than an ice cream, I don't know what it is, maybe a Slurpee, but uh, enjoy the Slurpees because we're, we're, we're going to boycott Streets ice creams. They've uh, suggested to their workforce that they either accept a 46% pay cut or unemployment. Um, they've said we choose dignity and um, I'm hopeful that all Australians will join us in this boycott against Streets products, just as we did with Carlton United Breweries, where those workers walked back into the factories um, with their heads held high and a victory. So we're hoping the same thing for the AMWU members out there in Streets land. The MUA Sydney branch is completely on your side, and we will not only advertise this boycott, we will participate in it as long as it takes. We also had a, a rally and campaign at the uh, University of Technology, Sydney. Um, the NTU members, uh, the thousands of members who are employed at that university, can you believe it? Only one in four have uh, permanent employment. One in four. Uh, the rest, 75 or 76 percent, are in precarious working conditions, um, most of them casual. Uh, but others even worse than that, if you can, uh, if you can understand that. And we, um, they, they, they took strike action, which the MUA Sydney branch went up to uh, lunch, in lunchtime, along with the the Patrick's committee, to show our solidarity and support for those comrades. And we'll be there to the bitter end with them, as the NTU have been uh, for many of our disputes that we've waged over the last number of years. So, um, comrade Paul Garrett. We teased the membership at the start of this podcast with some information that we were going to, um, some big news, I think we, we suggested. The time for the big news to be announced is right now. So drum yeah, roll, well, drum roll, Silky. You got a well, drum roll there, comrade? I'm sure there's one. But before I do, I just want to touch on something you said and the reason why I'm doing this. You talked about Streets Ice Cream, 46% wage cut. We talked about Sydney Ports in the Fair Work Commission, the Fair Work Commission, last week till midnight to take industrial action, which has been agreed to on several times by the Harbour Master, but yet we end up there. We talk about workers every step of the way getting done over. You know, you've got people out there any other given day putting their hands up to have a go, people going out there working, and they're not getting looked after. You know, and let's have a talk about some of the members. And I've been asked to speak at a few meetings of late and talk about the Labor Party and the Liberal Party. Some of our members can't tell the difference. When you fight for the centre, you're not fighting for left and progressive policies. You're fighting for the centre. So with that, I've got to say to the listeners out there, I've been approached by members out in the Cedar Banks, which is, covers the area from Oatley to East Hills, from Padstow to Panadia and Picnic Point and all the peace, um, to give strong consideration to run for the federal member as the Cedar Banks. I've been asked by MUA officials to put my hand up and probably something that's been absolutely humbling and most important to me, the three of you guys, Paul, Macca, Joe, we've sat down and we've had too many tough conversations, but this one was an easy one and your fraternal support that's been given has just been absolutely humbling as it's been overwhelming. So last week, uh, paulgarrett.com.au, 
We've got the uh, website out. We've also emailed out some 500 members and over the weekend written out to some 600 members where we had the home address, basically saying we're going for pre-selection. And I say we, not I, because this is a team effort. This this is about going in there. This is about getting progressive policies. And this is about getting a seat that we should win, that we need to win to change government. And then let's get a voice in parliament to make sure that we're holding the government of the day to account. It's no good just getting Malcolm Turnbull out. It's about getting a government in that gets in and does something. That's for the Fair Work Act. That's nail the colours to the mask now. It needs replacement. Not alteration, not a few clauses here or there, because any of that's just simply lipstick on a pig. It needs to change. So with that, comrades, I'm putting my hand up to have a go. There's not a pre-selection date yet. Um, we're hoping that it's in December, uh, November, sorry, but that'll be determined shortly. So when that's there, there'll be messages out. It's been a hard decision too. And I've got to say, you know, particularly Keto, Macca and Joe, we're not just workmates, we're, you know, we're comrades and great friends, you know, we've been to each other's weddings, we've, you know, stood together on disputes, we've stood together at midnight arguing with police and security guards and everything, and that's the one good thing about the branch executive, that whilst we sometimes have different political views on different issues, we'll stand together first, foremost and finally when it comes for the members. So I'm going to put up my hand up and have a go. I'd ask members to get out and get on board. I appreciate your support and I appreciate the support of the executive while we work through this as well. If we win it, then that's a great opportunity to go and get the election and that's a great opportunity to go and install an MUA officer into the Cedar Banks. And if we lose it, well, we're going to go down trying and we're going to go down swinging. There's so far four or five candidates putting their hands up, but uh, we know we're going to give it a good old-fashioned MUA go and we're going to try and win this and we're going to try and change it for the people and get the progressive politics back on track. So, comrades, there it is. And again, fellas, I really appreciate the support and I've got to say... The phone calls and emails that I've had in the last seven days have just been absolutely overwhelming, but again, humbling to know that this executive's held in such high regard and people want to get out there and fight and join in the campaign. So let's go do this. Let's win it. Good on you, comrade. Well done, mate. Yeah, well, um, and you, well you, done. as you indicated, you've got the support of the Sydney branch executive and the, and the whole MUA National Council, and I'm sure all of our members out there who want to see an MUA voice in Parliament uh, and see someone who's got the, the guts to stand up to the bosses and stand up to bad legislation and be part of a, of a fighting Labor movement. Uh, so we wish you all the luck in the world, comrade, Thanks, for the pre-selection. You're the workers' candidate, um, and I'm, I'm positive that the, the membership out there at Banks, the Labor Party membership, uh, will, will vote for you so that they have, um, so they can have all of the confidence in the world in sending you to Parliament. Well, that wraps up the industrial rounds, comrades. It was a long section, but I think it was an important one. Well done. Protect. Australia's leading severance and income protection fund for maritime workers. For a site visit or further information on how to get Protect in your enterprise agreement, contact Craig Johnson on 0400 671 274. Comrades, the perils of modern technology. We're actually currently being live streamed. Uh, if you go to the MUA Sydney branch Facebook page, uh, you can follow us uh, making fools of ourselves in um, Silky Studio. Tim Truen has just left a comment saying solidarity with streets workers. So there are people watching us live out there. Surely there, there, there must be something better to do. But if, if you are interested in watching us, please do so. Um, we're very excited about this and we want more engagement. So the more you're getting involved in this podcast, the better for all of us. We're actually going to finish industrial rounds off with disputes. And um, Paul Garrett, you got one down the tugs for us, mate. Yeah, been going all year, dealing with uh, Switzer tugs, but I suppose dealing with the Harbour Master as well. Um, long story short, looking to introduce captivity, so having members on standby for 12 hours, 
there's been an agreement there where that would come in after the Harbour Master issues a licence to give some protection there. It's all good to ask one company to come in and uh, give all the resources and give all the availability for the commercial success of the Port Authority. But equally, the Harbour Master's uh, promised the world and failed to even deliver an atlas. He's promised to give the exemptions. That hasn't taken place, and now we found ourselves once again before that wonderful establishment that is the Fair Work Commission for a possible arbitrated dispute. Um, of course, the concerns are that it's just a Trojan horse there to come in and attack those workers on the fire tugs. And I've said before on Radio Stingway, and I'll say it again, the members down there have been outstanding. They've stood solid with all their other mates in the uh, Sydney branch, and it's good to see workers stand up and stay united. And from time to time, I'm having to tell a few people to get nicked along the way too when they do the wrong thing. So that's still ongoing. It looks like we'll probably be arbitrated sometime next year, but we're in for the fight. No, it's a wonderful example. I mean, when you roll out of bed in the morning uh, and you think, what am I going to do today? We have the luxury of saying we're going to defend workers' rights. Our members have the luxury of saying that they're going to stand in solidarity with other workers in their industry. And what do the rotten bosses do? They roll out of their spiky nail beds, which they'd have to get off in the mornings. I mean, that, that, that'd have to be a bunch of sadomasochists. Uh, they roll out of their um, nail bed in the morning and say, what am I going to do today? Well, I'm going to go after workers. I'm going to cut their wages and conditions. I'm going to bring them into a HR meeting. I'm going to discipline them. I mean, what sort of sick, twisted weirdos get out of bed in the morning with that as your daily schedule? You know, and that's the reason why we have trade unions, and that's the reason why uh, each each of us four get up in the morning to um, serve the interests of the membership. Keto, you you got a number of I don't I reckon they these bosses come out of caves, comrades. Um, some of your ones, but um, can you give the membership a, an update about some of the disputes you've been involved in? Uh, just for briefly, uh, but I'll say this again: it will come our turn. And the working class will overthrow these industrial laws and will establish systems of democracy the likes we haven't seen for a long time. And I'll be waiting for that day, comrades. Um, there's been a few. One on the weekend, uh, I got a call from uh, some workers down at uh, Cube in Sydney Harbour, you know, uh, looking after the passenger boats. They've allocated labour hire workers. Now, uh, we've got a pretty solid agreement there that's got an allocation uh, order of pick that you can't do that. So that was an immediate uh, dispute. It's uh, going to roll out um, with um, a legal position today. But I'll just say this to Cube or any other employer. Just because you think that you can uh, run some corporate agenda and decision and uh, throw out bullshit like this, don't think you're going to get away with it. The community stands up for workers. We come from the communities and we stand up and fight back. But that's a dispute that's just started. And uh, again, we'll fight until we win. Hutchison, Fair Work Commission, we've got a dispute that will be heard in conciliation on November the 23rd. It's regarding the 1560 annual hours. Although it hasn't really had an effect here in Sydney, it is a national issue. It's had an effect in Brisbane. And essentially what the companies turn around and said is all accrued leave will not be part of the 1560 hours. Well, we had a, um, a hearing on, on Friday. Uh, the commissioner uh, gave her view. So we're on pretty solid ground. The agreement's pretty solid. It says very clearly 1560 hours incorporates accrued leave. Uh, TGS workers, uh, they're the security guards that Patrick's uh, employed under the, again, the subcontracting arrangements to rort workers and rob them of true, fair 
uh, wages and conditions. The uh, filth, which is the Fair, Fair Work Act that allows the big end of town to rob, you know, our brothers and sisters, our comrades from our families and our communities of uh, decent wages and conditions. That unfair dismissal has been lodged. It also will be tied in with the redundancies that will be recouped through that process as well, and we'll win that. Um, and Calmar. Well, Calmar Maintenance, that's down at Patrick's, another subcontracted sham arrangement. Uh, Patrick's just thought, it, it uh, you know, the big boss down there, the big boss would uh, direct his uh, supervisors at Patrick's Maintenance to carry out our breakdown maintenance workers' work. Um, that's in dispute. It was escalated. Uh, Macca escalated that. The workers are agitating. It's uh, become a dog's breakfast, as it would be when this stuff happens. It's, it goes to the very core of our right to work, and we ain't going to tolerate any, any type of uh, that carry on by any boss or any company. Thanks for that, comrade. At DP World, we have the hair follicle dispute that's basically resolved that unfortunately needed the intervention of both Paul Scurra, the CEO, and Paddy Crumley, our National Secretary, to fix. It's almost there, and uh, we've basically got the, the rest of the Labor Review to resolve, and that's coming to an end also with a yard meeting coming up shortly where the members will basically determine whether or not they accept the uh, eight permanent jobs we get in addition to a number of the backfills that have already taken place. There's going to be a minor uh, adjustment to the roster that's voted upon and all members are being asked to attend that yard meeting uh, to have a vote on the future of not only permanency but also the roster itself. And we look forward to hearing the views of those members. Also to report at DP World is the fact we've got 24 new supplementaries and in another significant victory for the union, we've been able to shorten the length of time that supplementaries stay casual down to three months where they'll be made VSEs. There'll be a probation period, but it comes down from the nine months that uh, supplementaries are engaged currently. So another tremendous victory for the union and another first for the MUA Sydney branch. And uh, also we've stopped the company from uh, changing how people can make themselves unavailable. There was uh, a number of proposals put to us by the company to decrease our scratchings and we were able to overcome that. We've all been involved in this one. The, uh, it's, it all started about six months ago, the uh, Patrick's Labor Review, uh, where the company basically put on the table to have uh, supplementaries be employed down there in the terminal in Port Botany. And uh, for all of the listeners who have been um, you know, involved in this podcast, you'd know that one of the, one of the great achievements uh, of, the, of the last um, few years uh, in the Sydney branch has been the elimination of non-permanent jobs at Patrick's Port Botany. The membership very courageously uh, stood up to uh, Patrick's and achieved an enterprise agreement only at the start of this year, or at the end of last year, uh, and won the right to full permanency. Not long, you know, f four or five months later, I think it was five months later in May, the company put on the table that they wanted to employ supplementaries. Uh, we were opposed to that. We wanted permanent jobs. And there's been a bit of dispute unfolding since then. And it's sapped a lot of resources. I'm sure companies do this to attempt to diminish our ability to fight back and win. But, I mean, if anyone's used to uh, being attacked by Patrick's, it's MUA members. 
uh, and their and their elected officials, and we just have to get the work done. And it's long; they're long days. You spend days in the commission. You spend days preparing for it, uh, and you've and you've got to say you've spent days in in meetings with the companies. I mean, how many times have we met just in the last month trying to resolve this dispute, either in the workplace, in the um, union rooms, or in the commission? And a lot of our members out there don't understand how much time goes into each and every dispute. We've had to um, consult with our lawyers. We've had to consult with our other unions, um, not only in this country but around the world, um, in order to prepare ourselves in the event that Patrick's escalated out of control, which this mob relentlessly do. Um, I mean, they banned us for a month. Myself and Keto, they banned us for a month. That lasted 24 hours. When the members turned around and said to their boss, we will not meet with you if you will not meet with our officials. And what did they ban us for? For going into the car park at Smoko and talking to our members through a fence. I mean, if again, to, to the politicians who are out there listening, if there's any of you, um, what is wrong with this system in this country that allows a law that denies a worker uh, to be uh, a communication, to communicate with their elected representatives. I mean, if if another country um, suggested to its people that they could not meet or discuss issues of their concern with their elected representatives, you'd be declaring them uh, for, you know, unfit for government and you'd be asking for regime change um, with the other warmonger mates. But here we have in this country a system that's basically designed um, to allow bosses to get away with denying their workers um, their choice of representation uh, and how they choose to do that. So here we are uh, at the end of the month with perhaps an end in sight. Uh, The company have come around to the idea um, that, you know, brutalising their workforce on a daily basis isn't actually in their interest. Sitting down and talking with them and getting through an issue is. And um, thankfully, it, that appears to um, be where we are at the moment. And as we've suggested to the company, no decision will be made by an official. Uh, this decision will be determined only by the rank and file at a full yard meeting where everyone has the right to ask questions and everyone has the right to have their say about changing um, the conditions that we've a- a- achieved in the enterprise agreement. And as one boss said, you're never happy unless you get everything. Well, guess what? You're absolutely right. We do want everything, but the laws in this country don't allow us to get remotely close to that. Um, The only thing that we ask for is for an application and adherence to the enterprise agreement. And that's the only thing you should be asking for uh, instead of coming after us on a daily basis um, because you feel like victims in all of this. Um, As I said, the workers, the members will make their decision uh, at a collective meeting, uh, at a stop work meeting, and I'm looking very much forward to that day. Uh, Comrades. We're going to go to Joe Deacon, um, and you're going to uh, update us on a couple of disputes too, comrade. I am, Marco. I'm going to talk to you about the Port Authority stuff. I know we've had a bit to say about it today, but it's very important for the members to know the way this organisation is behaving and the way it's treating its workforce. These workers have done nothing but follow the law, the ladder of the law, and maybe they should have stepped outside of the square and belted them a bit earlier. Might have, you know, might have shaped them a bit. But we've got what we've got. These people are coming after the workers. And I'll tell you, the workers, the workers are not going to, they're not copping it. They're not blinking. They've said to the Port Authority, they've said to the CEO, Gil Fillon, 
this anti-union so-and-so. Yeah, this is a bloke that's got a big lump of coal on his desk and he proudly says, mine with non-union labour. What a piece of shit, fair dinkum. And then you've got Har- the Harbour Master Holiday that follows him round like a little puppy dog, parroting what he's saying. Well, the workers have had enough. They've had three goes, the workers. They've had three 24-hour stoppages. And as I said earlier, they've, they've slapped uh, Section 418, 418 orders on them every time. But they're not blinking, the workers. I mean, they, were, they had a ballot there last week. And they got 100% of the members said, we're going to take you on. We're not going to cop you eroding our conditions of work. We're not going to cop you standing over us. And, you know, the CFMEU miners up there in Oakey Creek North, they're going to say, one day longer, one day stronger. And that's what the Port Authority workers are saying to the Port Authority. Bring it on. Bring it on. We're there for the fight. Thanks for that, Joe. And for all of the people out there suggesting that the unions are running rampant, I mean, the Fair Work Act, you've got to jump through more hoops than I don't know what to try and get protected industrial action. And then um, protected industrial action turns into unprotected industrial action. We've been up the commission three times um, basically to defend our right to take protected industrial action. I mean, the, the law is a farce. And uh, I can't wait for people like Paul Garrett to get into Parliament to be a part of a team that will change it. Um, And um, we're going to go to you next, Paul. Um, What's a dispute that you've been involved in, comrade? On the tugs. On the tugs. Backing up, Joe. I'm sorry, I just uh, didn't realise you were throwing back, but certainly uh, working through and backing up with Joe and Towage at the moment. That's where we've been having a lot of uh, disputation. Um, And, of course, there's the bunkering situation too. You've got a new vessel near on the harbour, the Vitality, um, a bunk and tanker that's being built for Singapore that doesn't have the dynamics to even operate in the port. It's uh, certainly uh, a problem with it, and it looks like it's another destined design for Singapore Harbour and can't manoeuvre through the port. It's been brought in by Glencore, and I think it's been done to undermine the union uh, bunkering there, certainly the anatomy in Port Botany. But we're trying to organise that vessel, and if we can't organise it, I think we've got to have a very blunt discussion about where that vessel goes because the union can't accept... Glencore bringing in another vessel that simply undermines the wages and conditions of workers. It can't bring in another vessel that undermines the safety by trying to reduce crewing. I mean, in any other port, it's a tanker. It's a tanker. It's crewed in Singapore with no less than six on deck, and they're trying to put the two on. So the branch has been working through, and Joe and I have been down there giving some hurry-ups to uh, the owners, and that's been one of the big uh, challenges that we'll deal with. Now, we're hearing, too, that the vitality's not that popular, um, and certainly may be shot through sooner rather than later. If that happens, well, that's only a win for the maritime industry. It's designed to go and see ships in Singapore Harbour. It's not designed to operate in Port Jackson or Port Botany. It's been brought down to exploit workers, and when that happens, then we take it on. Beautiful. And uh, one of the pitfalls of live streaming all of this is that uh, members will get to see us when we make our errors, but that's all right. I think um, workers <laughs> have seen us make plenty of mistakes before, and um, they're not going to necessarily be not used to that. So... Um, comrades, that brings us to an end, for real this time, uh, of Industrial Lounge, <laughs> and uh, we'll be coming back with a few other interesting pieces for you. Maritime Employees Training Limited is an independent, not-for-profit industry training body. Governed by the representatives from the MUA, Maritime Employees and the Training Sector Experts, Metal's goal is to develop the most skillful, safe, and efficient maritime workforce globally. Welcome back. Early this month, three of our rank and filers... Nat Worsley, Naomi Kane and Zach Wone 
headed into the middle of Australia to uh, those outback communities on a solidarity trip uh, for the First Nations Workers Alliance. We caught up with Naomi and Zach, and here's what they had to say. Hi, I'm Marla from Radio Stingray, and today I'm joined by Naomi Kane and Zachary Wone from the MUA Sydney branch Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Committee. They've just returned from a First Nation Workers Alliance tour in, in the Northern Territory, which aims to empower community development program workers. To kick us off, can you please explain community development program workers? Uh, yeah, so... Uh the CDP, Community Development Program, it's a Work for the Dole program. It was brought in 2015 by the federal government. Uh, replaced the previous program, CDEP. Um, and it was significant that, you know, that E was removed because that actually stands for employment. And it really was taking the employment part out of it. It's um, basically there to create dependency. Um, so the First Nation Workers Alliance was set up uh, first and foremost, to end the CDP, because uh, the union movement has identified that you know it's it's not working for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander workers. Um, yeah, it's it's and it's uh, now up to us to to try and change things, create real jobs in Aboriginal communities. And I've heard CDP actually being explained as modern day slavery. Yeah, it is, and and um, uh, Naomi can talk a little bit more about what we saw in our recent trip out to Alice Springs. Uh, so it's basically people uh, doing heavy labouring jobs uh, at uh, below award wages, um, people that are certified chefs, um, you know, business d- degrees and stuff like that, out doing weed- weeding and things like that due to the fact that there is no available jobs for them, you know, to do a, to do a proper job. And why would the for-profit companies be employing people at a normal wage when, as you said, slave labour rate of ten ninety or eleven dollars an hour, they're getting workers for that for that price. And can you just please tell us about what you saw when you went to Alice Springs and Tennant Creek? Uh, yeah, so uh, we went out um, earlier this month. Um, myself, Naomi, Nat Wosley, uh, is a non-Indigenous comrade, also from Hutchison. Um, she's a Wharfie. Uh, as well as uh, two of her comrades from the ACTU, um, the National Indigenous Officer Lara Watson and Queensland organiser Wayne Costello. Uh, so uh, they uh, went out to Santa Teresa and um, we went up to um, Tennant Creek, which is about five hours north of Alice. Yeah, we got to speak to uh, a lot of the uh, community members there in town and from the outstations, just asking their stories face to face of how it's affecting them and, and what's going on. Uh, stories such as being told of people that are forced to do the work for the Dole program that are on dialysis. Um, another story we heard was of a, a man that had a bad heart condition and the answer to that was, you know, why, why would they be working, having him working? And they said, oh, well, we're keeping him close to the farmhouse, so if he drops, then he's not too far and we can, we can get a med- medical emergency. So, you know, um, people that are having sick days and not being able to be certified because they're not classed as workers, Mm. uh, being cut off then for six to eight weeks uh, due to the fact that they're not providing medical certification as to why they're not turning up to their jobs. Mm. So it's just just horrendous stuff like that. Yeah, and they're conditions that wouldn't be acceptable for, you know, for non-Indigenous workers, you know, who are members of a union in the city, Um, but somehow the government gets away with it in remote communities. So this is nothing more than a racist policy? Mm. Yeah, it's very much targeted at 
and Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander workers. Yeah, of the 35,000 workers under the scheme, 33,000 are Indigenous and, and mainly in remote areas. So yeah. what was the response from the workers when you met with them and you're telling them about the First Nation Workers Alliance? Uh, well, they're, they're stoked. You know, that's the, the people are actually noticing what's going on up there and wanting to get behind them and, and make a change to, to them and not only them and their families and their communities, you know. Get back to what they used to be like, living out on their outstations and having the resources and the money to be able to stay out there where they belong and be able to work in their communities. Yeah. We also, as part of the workshop which we organised in Alice Springs, uh, where we saw over 60 CDP workers and supervisors, uh, we actually came together and we uh, put together a collective statement um, which is available um, and we'd like to also distribute um, around the workplaces as well. So, uh, it really gives you a, a sense of um, you know what it's like to live under CDP. Uh, yeah, so um, yeah, very encouraging to hear that uh, well, they, they live it, you know, they, they know the program is a failure because they're, they're living it. Um, and so, yeah, we want to go back and keep that going, you know, see how we can actually work together to create a better, better future. Yeah. And it's really easy to join, right? Like you just go online, you just sign up. Yeah. Yeah. Just go to the website. It's um, www.fnwa.org.au. And uh, you'll click on the links and just click join and uh, yeah, put in your bank details and yeah, you'll become a member. And Naomi, I just wanted to ask you because I know you've recently joined the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Committee. Can you just tell me how you're finding it and how you're enjoying it? Uh, yeah, it's great. You know, everyone's been very welcoming. Uh, it's a big eye opener for me and you know I feel like I've been chucked in the deep end a little bit but I'm I'm slowly learning how to swim and you know I'm just glad to be a part of it and being able to help as any way that I can. Is there anything else either of you wanted to add? Uh, yeah uh, join the First Nation Workers Alliance um, and uh, yeah uh, also like the page on Facebook and we'll keep you updated. Well, welcome back to Radio Stingray. Make sure you jump onto Facebook, like it, share it, leave a comment, review and recommend it to your mates. As part of the uh, amalgamation in the last few months, we've been amalgamating with the TCFUA as well as the CFMEU, the Textile, Clothing and Footwear Union of Australia, some of the lowest paid workers in this country. And Michelle O'Neill's a real good friend of the Maritime Union, a fellow traveller and a hard fighter for her members. Marla sat down with her earlier this week and here's a few things that Michelle had to say. Hi, I'm Marla and I'm joined today by Michelle O'Neill from the Textile Clothing Footwear Union of Australia. Thanks for coming on today. You're welcome, Marla. Good to be here. So just like our union, your members of the TCFUA are currently undergoing a vote about merging with the CFMEU. And before we speak a little more about amalgamation, to start off, could you please just tell us about the members of the TCFUA and who they are and what challenges they face as workers? Yeah, our members uh, manufacture textile clothing and footwear here in Australia and the majority of them are women and also the majority of our members um, don't have English as a first language so they're really diverse in terms of the languages that they speak and the cultures that they come from uh, but they are an extraordinarily uh, strong group of workers they're often painted as 
um, you know, exploited workers. And of course, there is a lot of exploitation and low wages in our industry. But that doesn't stop them being great fighters. They're courageous in all sorts of ways. Uh, some of them work at home by themselves in their own lounge room or garage, sewing clothes. Some work in small factories or sweatshops. Um, and other work, work in larger factories or textile mills, which are often larger as well. Um, they're in both capital cities and in regional Australia. And uh, we've got a proud 147 year history. So our membership is one that has gone, undergone enormous challenges though over the last 20 or 30 years where you've seen successive governments change industry policy without any regard at all for its effect on workers' jobs, on their families and their communities. So changes in tariff levels, changes with globalisation and companies basically looking around the world to find the cheapest possible place in the world to make clothing, for example, has meant that our industry has shrunk a lot. So we've got a smaller union than we used to have, but we've got pretty smart and street smart about how we fight and win with less numbers. But we're very, very positive about the amalgamation because we can see all sorts of things that are important about joining together with a large blue collar union um, and being a fighting progressive force for workers. And you mentioned how the merger between the MUA, the CFMEU, the TCFUA, how it's going to give us a greater capacity to fight. What do you think the amalgamation is also going to mean for the broader union movement? I think it'll be a really important thing for the Australian union movement, but also for the global union movement. Uh, here in Australia, uh, our unions are well known, but also I think the merger into a new union. So it's not just a sort of, oh, we'll add a bit here and add a bit there. We're creating a new story about unionism and fighting militant, strong unions in this country. And it will be, I think, a story that will attract a lot of criticism from the conservative forces. The bosses hate this idea. The federal government hate this idea. But they hate it because they can see it's about workers having more power. And so I think we will have a responsibility in terms of being a leading blue-collar voice in Australia. We'll have a responsibility in terms of um, making sure that we... we uh, part of our own struggles to win secure jobs and good wages and conditions for our members but also take seriously our responsibility in the broader struggles in Australia whether that's for the rights of um, the First Nation people in terms of our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander brothers and sisters whether it's the rights in terms of uh, women in our movement and making sure that we lead the way about bringing about change in terms of bringing women into leadership positions and vocal and front and centre in our union and also in the rest of the movement, making sure we're part of struggles to do with workers, health um, workers, access to the health system, education for the kids, all the things that really matter we're going to have responsibility as a union to do that, starting, of course, with winning um, rights and paying conditions and jobs, secure jobs for our members. Globally, we're already unions that are engaged in the global struggle for workers. And talking as the TCFUA, our industry is a global union and it, it's been vicious in its um, approach to not caring about workers' 
in the world and in fact always looking for places where workers are more able to be exploited because they're so desperate in terms of basic necessities of life for food and you've seen the horrific results of that with workers literally dying sitting behind sewing machines in Bangladesh or Cambodia and so our struggle is an international struggle and we understand the connection between workers here in Australia and workers around the world in the textile clothing and footwear industry. Your union in the MUA is, is a leading union in terms of the um, ITF and the international work you do. That supply chain work crosses over both of our unions. Uh, I know there's a struggle at the moment in terms of the, the dock workers with Levi's um, and of course that's a, one of the multinationals in our supply chain as well. So I think there's great work we can do together about um, fighting for workers' rights around the world, which will also mean that um, our new union here in Australia will not only bring about change in the Australian movement, it'll also have a role to play internationally. And I guess when people think about the creation of this super union, they might think it's pretty blokey. But as you mentioned before, your union has a majority of female membership. Could you just speak to us a little bit more about that, please? We're really um, proud of the fact that we're a predominantly women's union. Um, we love our brothers in our union as well, but it is really important that... Uh, we break down the sort of prejudices and stereotypes that exist about women workers and women unionists. Some of the toughest, uh, most militant workers I've ever had the, the great privilege to struggle alongside with um, in, in picket lines, in EBA disputes, in campaigns, have been women workers that if you took one look at them in terms of a stereotypical fashion, people would think, oh, you know, she doesn't look tough um, and so they don't meet the you know often way that the the bosses and the conservative governments try to paint unionists like they're all large blokes that they all have a certain look about them and as much as I have they're, they're my comrades we don't look like that we don't sound like that but that's no reflection on what we bring to this movement and what we will bring to this union so the, the role of our women members in the new union is going to be critical because we expect to have a voice um, and we expect to see women in leadership and we expect that the way that the union conducts itself um, respects the fact that there are women members both already in our union and many, many more for us to recruit, particularly in the non-traditional areas in terms of women's work. You know, there's a lot of women in TCF but there needs to be more women in construction. There needs to be more women on the wharves. You know, there needs to be more women in mining. Those industries need to change so that uh, you see women workers uh, given opportunities in those uh, industries. And of course, this is part of the story about equal pay and pay equity in Australia, because we've got a role to play in changing the structural things that stop women being treated fairly and getting a good deal. So I, um, I think, It'll be a really interesting time. I think uh, m many of our comrades are looking forward to that. Some are probably pretty fearful about it and think, well, that's weird, or um, are unsure about what that will mean in terms of the culture of the union. I think it can only add strength. The best unions are the most diverse ones. The best organisations are ones that aren't afraid of difference and that bring people together and work out how that makes you stronger. And just finally, how can listeners and unionists support, you know, ethnic, ethnically, oh, sorry, 
How can unionists support union-made clothing? We've got um, some exciting things that will happen, I think, because of the merger that will build on things we've already been doing. So our union's part um, of an organisation called Ethical Clothing Australia, and Ethical Clothing Australia accredits companies for their supply chain here in Australia to make sure that workers receive fair wages and conditions and work in safe workplaces wherever they are in the supply chain here in Australia, whether they're at home, whether they're in a big or a small factory. And we think that one of the great things out of this merger is that we should be able to win not just union-made clothing being made here in Australia ethically, but in fact workwear, work boots, work clothing, personal protective equipment, the stuff that MUA members wear, CFMEU members wear every day in their working lives, that that should be guaranteed to be sourced here in Australia and ethically made by union workers. So we think these are the things that can be won um, out of a concerted, coordinated campaign across our new union. Uh, it seems to me that you've got some governments that are putting conditions on things like, uh, um, you know, the use of Australian steel, for example, in major projects. Um, comparatively, requiring private companies that are bidding for major projects that are funded by government to ensure that they're going to have their workers wearing uh, ethically locally sourced workwear is a small thing but I reckon it will make a huge difference it'll make a difference to our members and to their jobs and it's something I'm excited because I already know from talking to the MUA um, both rank and file and leadership and similarly the CFMEU rank and file and leadership that people are up for this they really want to win having locally ethically made gear that they wear every day to work and finally is there anything else you want to add well, I, the other thing I'd add, of course, is about a union this size, it's not just what everyone wears to work, it's what everyone wears the rest of their time as well. So if you think about not just our members, but then the families of our members and the friends of our members, if we can influence that people are purchasing local ethically made clothing and shoes, then that can have a huge difference, make a huge difference for our industry and our members. So I think there's lots of good work we can do around that together. And, uh, and I look forward to doing it. But finally, I'd just say the, uh, I think the MUA and the CFMEU and the TCFUA coming together is going to really write a whole new chapter about the Australian union movement. And we're really looking forward to being part of that. Thanks so much for coming on today. Thanks, Mala. Comrades, you've just heard from Michelle O'Neill, a tremendous, fantastic, inspiring leader from the TCFUA, talk about our upcoming merger. You should all have received your envelopes with your votes in it. We're asking you to vote, 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 vote and vote. Um, you don't have a right to a democratic society if you're not willing to participate in it. Uh, we want to ensure that everyone has their say. Uh, whether you're voting no, we're asking that you vote yes, but please uh, under all any circumstance, make sure you have your say and um, vote for this merger, vote for your future and vote for the strongest, toughest union uh, in this country's history. Um, we've got to, we're going to wrap the show up now. Um, there's a number of things happening in the next, next month. We've all got something to look forward to. On November 5th, we've got the 100th anniversary celebrations of the Socialist Revolution in Russia, a tremendous earth-shaking event. I mean, if you think we can't take over one workplace, those brave workers took over an entire country. 
and the revenge was taken by every single Western country. When they finished World War One. they declared war on the Russian people, the Russian workers and the Russian Revolution um, and done everything they possibly could to destroy that true workers' democracy um, that started in 1917 um, out of the Petrograd Soviet. We are so proud and you've had many leaders who have been socialists, who have been communists, that have been inspired by those tremendous events Um, that continue to be inspired by that wonderful revolution. It is only through revolutionary socialism that workers will achieve their full justice, will smash discrimination, will win equality um, and give us all the justice that workers and their families deserve. So come um, into the union rooms on November 5th. We're going to have a wonderful night. Um, Keto, we've got the stoppage coming up on the 16th. Comrade, give another quick plug for that. Thanks, uh, comrade. And uh, to everyone out there... All your family, friends, everyone in a state even, get down November the 16th. Stop the war on workers rally. We want to shut the city down and tell the ruling class, the political class, the bosses class, we're not copping it anymore and we're on the march. Great work, comrade. Um, 11.30, Belmore Park. Joe, you, yourself and Dan Crumlin are going over to Moscow to um, – um, represent the Sydney branch. We received an invitation. You're going over there to celebrate uh, with them the 100th anniversary, comrade. What can you update us with? Well, I don't know about update you. I'm just that excited about you. I, uh, look, I'm just so, so proud to think that I'm going as a representative of this branch to commemorate the 100-year anniversary of the Socialist Revolution in what became the USSR. Sad things have happened since but maybe good things can happen as a result of this commemoration. Myself and Dan are very, very humbled that the branch would select us to go, and we'll do you proud. Well, it wasn't necessarily a merit-based selection from my perspective. It was a full-on punch-up in the union rooms to, to work out um, who would come out at the end of it and get to represent the branch, and we all had Bark Office and Joe won. Um, so um, you, you thoroughly deserve to go, comrade, and um, you've Thanks, been involved man. In, um, in, in, in our movement and in celebrating this Russian revolution your entire life. Um, and it's going to be not only a tremendous honour for yourself and Dan, but also for the branch to be able to participate in this um, momentous occasion. I myself had been uh, invited um, to uh, Ireland, uh, to Dublin, as uh, a guest of Sinn Féin to attend their uh, Ardesh. And again, we've had tremendous solidarity with Sinn Féin and with uh, Irish republicanism uh, for many, many decades, going back to to 1916. Uh, And um, it's something that all workers can support. I mean, uh, Sinn Féin are actively encouraging a a, um, United Ireland campaign. Uh, They want to end um, the brutality of imperialism uh, and they're attempting to achieve uh, an end to the sectarianism that has existed in that country as a result of the British um, oppressing them for 800 long years. Um, so to go over to uh, Dublin to experience the Ardesh and, and get a, a, a much closer understanding of the nature of that struggle and also how to build campaigns for success. Uh, Sinn Féin, I think, are the most popular party in both the Republic and in Northern Ireland at the moment, uh, and um, they've been able to build that out of campaigns of armed struggle uh, into parliamentary um, struggle. So I'm very much excited and honoured to um, to go over on behalf of the branch 
And Paul, um, lastly, comrade, you've got a big month ahead of you, not just for yourself and your family personally, but also for the MUA Sydney branch. I don't think we've ever had a representative uh, in, um, in Canberra and um, you're going to be actively involved, um, you know, during the night and on the weekends to get yourself uh, elected into that, um, that seat of banks on behalf of the, the people in that electorate. Yeah, thanks, mate. We're going to give it a good shake and we want to get in there and change the way things are going in Canberra. I mean, you only seen last week... Michaela Cashews and the Federal Police is a de facto Gestapo against workers. Um, I'd like to see when the next raid takes, pay, uh, takes place with corporate Australia and goes through some of their shonky deals that prop up the Liberal Party. But we're going to get in and have a go. And again, comrades, uh, whatever happens, it's always been my honour to stand shoulder to shoulder with you uh, three guys there fighting for the members. So let's give this a real red hot go. And if uh, we win it, the pre-selection, let's go and win the election. And as I said, if we lose it, we're going to go down swinging. We're going to give this a real hot go because workers need better representation in their government. Well, it just um, leads into um, a rally that is going to take place on uh, Thursday or Wednesday, I believe. Uh, in a couple of days' time, we're going to be rallying out the front of Turnbull's office to basically demonstrate our complete and utter opposition and disgust uh, this uh, current government's assault on workers um, using another arm of government to do so. Uh, I mean, we couldn't investigate work uh, business uh, crimes against us, ruling class crimes against us. There's not enough unemployed people in this country um, to, to participate in that campaign. I mean, they can't even get an inquiry into the banks. These organisations that make tens of billions of dollars profit um, that should be in the hands uh, of the, this country's citizenry, um, should be in uh, hospitals, should be in schools, yet that's um, funneled away into massive bonuses um, and, uh, and, and funneled into all sorts of nefarious activities. We can't get an inquiry into that, but they can send the federal coppers down to raid an AWU office for making a donation 10 years ago, um, and it's a disgrace. So it's going to be a big month, comrades. We've got the AGM coming up on the 28th. Tuesday, the 28th, you'll get more details about that. And that brings us to an end of the October edition of Radio Stingray, comrades. It's been a massive show. Um, and we look forward to you giving us your thoughts about this podcast and others. Go to the Facebook page, um, like us, unlike us, um, but make sure you leave us a comment. Final thoughts, Joe? Boycott streets. Whatever you do, boycott streets. PG? Well, I think the one thing that we can do is get in, vote in the amalgamation. It closes on Thursday, 23 November. Get the ballot papers, vote yes to both questions, get them in the letterbox. Keto? Stop the war on workers rally, November the 16th. 11.30, down at uh, Belmore Park, near Central Station. Be there. And as I end every podcast with comrades, if you can see water, join the MUA. You've been listening to Radio Stingray. tuned in to Radio Stingray. Radio Stingray podcast was brought to you by McNally Jones Staff Lawyers, assisting MUA members and their families for 40 years. Phone 9233 4744 or visit mcnally.com.au and get McNally's on your side.